Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. After All These Years by Layla Harrison on Gossamer. Rating Explicit. Chapter 3. Five years later, February 9th, 2001, New York City. Mulder. It was some ridiculous case I was on. New York City cops had suspected a serial murderer in the area after the deaths of four women. I had transferred voluntarily to the Violent Crimes Division almost four years ago. The X-Files had been shut down. I didn't even like to think about it anymore. I had been lucky enough to pull this job. I had interrogated the suspect, who then was determined to be responsible for only one of the deaths. Busy work, I had thought to myself. The other three murders were determined to be uncannily similar, but not related. I was to catch a plane back to D.C. in the morning. In the meantime, I had the rest of the evening to myself, in New York City. There was, as far as I was concerned, nothing to do. I drove around aimlessly for about an hour, trying to decide if I wanted to see a movie, when I realized I was in a not-so-pleasant neighborhood. Garbage-lined streets and a few homeless people strayed by as I drove slowly. On the right side of the street were a handful of prostitutes. No, I told myself, don't give in to the temptation. You're going to get caught doing this someday. I pursued them thoughtfully, two blondes and a brunette. Nope, I wasn't interested. I headed back to the hotel and up to my room, where I phoned the front desk. Is there any way you can tell me what kind of entertainment is in this area? I asked, speaking to the manager. The hotel was cheap. I knew he would know what I was talking about. He remembered me. And he didn't know I was FBI. It was safe. I had done this the last time I stayed here. Sir, there is some entertainment I believe you would be interested in. You're still interested in the same type? Yes, I answered. Is the price the same? 100 for the entertainment, and then the tip, of course. Prices have gone up, I commented, checking my wallet for cash. So is the quality of the entertainment, sir. You can come right up for the tip, I told him. He was at the door in about ten minutes. I ushered him inside, and we closed the door. I paid him the hundred and the seventy-five dollar tip. He beamed. She should be here in about fifteen minutes, he promised, and left. I sat on the edge of the bed and watched myself in the mirror that was across from me, on the wall. For a split second, I thought to myself, just as I did before I did this each time before, what the hell are you doing? But the thought vanished quickly. Over the years, it had lost its intensity. I got up and washed my face in the small bathroom, brushed my teeth. I had a ritual when I checked into any hotel. I would not allow myself to be in a room where there was a door adjoining to another room. Wouldn't allow it. There was a knock on the door. I went to answer it. I opened the door to a petite young woman, dressed in a short, low-cut, tight black knit dress, black stockings. I caught the side of the garters holding them up on her creamy white tights. Three-inch pumps, perfect makeup, brilliant blue eyes, and shoulder-length auburn hair. Come in, I told her, and she followed me in. Pathetic, I thought to myself an hour later, as she was getting dressed again, that this was the only kind of relationship I would allow myself. She was in front of the mirror adjusting her stockings, putting her black lace bra back on, slipping back into the dress. She was beautiful, and she was good in bed, but she wasn't scully. None of them were. 
None of them had that look in their eye the way Scully did, the way her voice sounded, soft and husky and full of desire. To say that I was over Scully would be a lie. I had lived the last five years without her in a state of denial. I was not the same man anymore. I had not gone looking for her as she had requested, but I still saw her everywhere I looked, in commercials on TV and people I saw walking on the street, even in the red-headed prostitutes that I had come to favor. Thanks, I told her politely, as she gathered her things, nodded at me, and left the room. I jumped up in the bed and went right into the shower, scrubbing that woman's scent off of me. The following morning, one mile from Westchester County Airport, White Plains, New York, Mulder. I lightly tapped the steering wheel of the rental car as I drove up to Hutchinson Parkway to the airport. I was grateful for the airport change. I much preferred flying out of Westchester Airport to LaGuardia Airport, located at the border of New York and Connecticut. The airport was small and much less populated. I checked the time. One hour until my flight. I didn't want to miss it. Yeah, right, I told myself sarcastically, like you've got so much waiting for you back in D.C. I got off the exit ramp and headed down the road to the airport. It was much easier to get to, traffic-wise as well. Even though it was rush hour, all the traffic had been in the opposite side of the parkway, from Connecticut into the city, which I was grateful for. I turned into the parking lot. The airport had been renovated since I was there last and I made a few wrong turns before figuring out which lane actually led to the car garage where I was to leave the rental car. I slowed down at the intersection, letting a white car alongside of me to drop someone off. A dark-haired woman that seemed vaguely familiar to me. I glanced at the driver of the car, back to the dark-haired woman, then back to the driver. I did a double take. The dark-haired woman headed for the terminal was Maggie Scully, and the driver of the car was Scully. I was sure of it. I, of course, had been sure it was Scully a number of times before, but this was different. This was really her. Her hair was a few inches longer than I remembered it. I slouched down in my seat, terrified that she would glance in my direction and see me. The woman I thought was Margaret Scully turned to wave at her daughter, and I caught her face. It was definitely her. She didn't see me. Scully waved back at her mother, waited a moment, then slowly accelerated without thinking. I followed her. Her car was a white Camry with Connecticut plates, I noted. Fifteen minutes passed, she approached the entrance to the parkway again and got on, going northbound into Connecticut. I followed. She got off a few exits later in Greenwich, Connecticut, one of the most exclusive and affluent towns in the United States. Glad to see you made out well, Scully, I thought. I kept a safe distance. Far enough that she hopefully wouldn't notice someone tailing her, but close enough where I could see where she was going. She drove for another 10 minutes, then pulled into a driveway of a modest home compared to some of the others in the area that resembled castles. She parked the car and got out. I remained at the side of the road about 75 feet back from the house, getting out of my car to watch her. Her hair was longer. I couldn't see her face clearly, but I could see the rest of her just fine. She was wearing a pair of jeans and what appeared to be a loose black sweater. I watched every step she took from the driveway to the house taking her in with my eyes. Five years had passed since I'd last seen her. From what I could see now, she looked as good as she did back then. Better. There was no other car in the driveway. With an investigative, not emotional mind, I checked the mailbox to see if someone was living there with her. But there was no mail inside, and the outside of the box only had the house number on it. No name. No Mr. or Mrs. something. 
My heart lifted a bit. I got back into the car and waited until 6.30 in the evening. I dozed, listened to the radio, read the entire owner's manual of the car, word for word, twice. If she was married, her husband should have been home from work by now. No one had gone into or come out of the house. Finally, I pulled the car into the driveway. I had to talk to her, to see her, to ask her what had happened, why she had left. I summoned up all my courage and walked to the front door and rang the bell. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there. <laughs>